Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello, my name is Karina, and in this podcast, Break Fear, Find Freedom, I have conversations with people just like you who have broken their fear and found their freedom, whatever that may be. And you, and shows you how to do the same. So sit back, relax, grab your coffee or your running shoes, whatever makes you happy, and let the fun begin. Oh, by the way, come take my hand and let's go. The door's opening now. Um, today, I've got really a awesome, awesome guest. You are going to love Norman Plotkin. And Norman is a hypnotherapist and a tarot card reader. Now, that's really very cool. It sounds all woo-woo, but really, um, Norman has shown that this is really the right, the real real thing. And um, Norman has written a book as well called Mastermind, Master Life. But I'll let you talk, let him talk about that as well. Hello, Norman. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Um, you're welcome. Norman, tell us a bit about um, who is Norman Plotkin? Norman Plotkin is a small town kid who uh, has been fortunate enough to have many travels uh, and live what seems like several lives. I, you know, after high school, I didn't I didn't go right to college. I, I went in the military, I went in the Marine Corps. And uh, after I, you know, after I did four years of that, I uh, worked in the oil fields and then a rock plant like Fred Flintstone, making little rocks out of big rocks. And then um, I was a construction lineman. I climbed telephone poles and and then um, my brother was killed in a car accident and it kind of woke me up. So I, I I made a major change. I moved in with my mom, back in with my mom and I walked on to a community college and um, I knocked out uh, my associate degree quickly a year and a half and then uh, transferred to university. So I, I graduated in three years, which would, you know, most people are taking four five and six. And, uh, and I did student government and speech and debate. And um, I, the university I transferred to was here in Sacramento, which is the capital of California, which is like a nation state. And the first semester there, I got an internship in the legislature. And uh, uh, it was a paid internship, which turned into a job, which turned into a 25-year career of, uh, you know, first as a clerk and then a consultant. I ran political campaigns. I um, became the committee consultant for the health and insurance committees and where I advised members of the legislature on how to vote on the um, various pieces of legislation that were going through uh, the process. Then uh, I was hired by the California Medical Association to represent physicians. I represented the uh, 30,000, roughly 30,000 California physicians who are, belong to their trade association, their professional society. And um, I did that for a few years, and then I uh, struck out on my own and opened my own lobbying firm and uh, represented 
clients in the petroleum, electricity, and automotive uh, areas. And um, I love the strategy. I love the policy. I love the, the, the campaigns and whatnot. But the politics is it's dirty and it's yeah it's you kind of grind you up and spit you out and so um i ended up i got sick i had um i had cancer i had papillary carcinoma thyroid cancer then they they removed my thyroid and some lymph nodes and gave me a couple rounds of radiation and and uh at first i thought i wanted to just get back to normal and mm -hmm. it it took me a while to realize that normal that normal was what made me sick and so it returned i had that second round of radiation and and i just I decided, you know, teachers began to appear and I, I, I got a whole new perspective. My, my friend had gotten out of politics and opened a yoga studio and she, she took me through therapeutic yoga for cancer and taught me how to meditate. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Pilates to help me gain my strength back and, you know, just yoga for balance. And, and I, I learned Ayurveda, which is, you know, yogic medicine. And I, my, my dosha, which is pitta, I'm fiery, right? And so, and then how to eat for my dosha and how, what, what foods to avoid. And, you know, alcohol is like throwing gasoline on the fire for me, right? And so, so... I learned a lot about myself and I, and teachers began to appear. I read Wayne Dyer's uh, power of intention, Carolyn Meese, anatomy of the spirit, um, uh -huh. uh, Deepak Chopra's uh, quantum healing uh, um, and many others. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I began to have a different perspective. Um, and so I was divinely guided to, to this school. There's a nationally accredited school of hypnotherapy, a college of hypnotherapy in Los Angeles. And I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And as fate would have it, um, I knew someone had gone, who had gone there. I had dinner with her and asked her about it. And, and I, I started and never looked back. And so um, I've, because I, was blessed with the ability to adapt and adjust and learn very quickly and use the power of the subconscious mind to manifest. I, I was very intrigued by the power of the subconscious mind. And um, especially, you know, for health and, and wellness. And so um, I, I went through the school and um, uh, just like sponged it up and, and, really, really excited about the practice of it. Um, hypnosis is, um, it is a, a fascinating, very, it's overly simple, which confuses people uh, would, you know, mm -hmm. they want some in this day and age, they want some complicated, um, you know, process or modality that is administered by someone with the alphabet soup behind their name. And, you know, it's, um, and in reality, we all have our own answers. And um, so for those who are open, I've been able to help with just so many amazing uh, experiences of, of you know, detailed things, medical issues that doctors have not been able to do anything but give pain pills, you know, 
and whatnot. But so um, I wrote the book Mastermind Master Life, which was an effort to to um, help people understand uh, hypnosis. Most people's introduction to hypnosis is at the at Vegas or on State Fair or you know, some other stage show where they get people to get up on stage and fall asleep and, and then do funny things. And, and, you know, there's a place for that because it shows how powerful it is. I'm a little uncomfortable by all that. I have colleagues who I went to school with who do stage hypnosis. They enjoy it. It's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'm just taking a more serious approach to it because it's so powerful and, and it has the, the possibilities of helping people with so many, a range of so many different things. So um, in Mastermind, Master Life, I talk about what it is, what's the history of it, what does science say about it, and medicine, and how can you uh, put it to use in your life. So it's kind of a practical guide for people to understand just enough science to to uh, for those who are inquisitive about what is the science says, but not so much that you'll get bogged down in reading it. It's not a scholarly journal. And it's my second book. My first book was called Take Charge of Your Cancer, The Seven Proven Steps to Healing and Recovery. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really wanted to um, share what I learned about through my cancer experience. It's, um, you know, um, it's, it's never just about the cancer. Uh, there's so much more. And much of what you experience is disempowering. Get a, get a second opinion, go where you're told. There's very little information. There's very little instruction. Very, so I, I stumbled my way into some some things, seven of them. Turns out, you know, as I read uh, and researched uh, to write this book, um, there's uh, a great book called, uh, uh, well, there's Mind Over Medicine by uh, Kathy Rankin. And then there was, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name of the book. It's Radical Remission by Dr. Kathy oh. Turner. Yeah, and it turns out uh, she was a she was a psychologist who worked in oncology, and uh, she started asking people who had a very slim chance of survival, but who did survive, what they did. And she said she asked them if the doctors had asked them, and they said no. So she chronicled these you know, 10 or 12 things that people do. It turns out I found, I stumbled my way to seven of them. And so I wrote about the things that mattered to me and what helped me um, feel empowered and to navigate my way through the cancer experience. Um, they're simple things. I didn't make them up. Uh, and and again, pow- pointing to the power of simplicity and um, Occam's razor, the simplest explanation is usually always the best. It was, um, you know, learn to meditate, radically change your diet, deepen your spirituality, commune with your subconscious mind, release your repressed emotions, and um, take charge of your health care. No one has more skin in the game than you do. And finally, have a reason to live. Don't just not want to die. Mm, I love those. Actually, that's really, really cool. And it's, it's, common, it's common knowledge. Um, I just want to go back um, to your how things started opening up for you when you actually re- realized that um, this isn't working for me. I'm loving it, but it's not working because obviously you were repressing those things and that's why the cancer came up. That's right. um, 
What would you attest was that that realization? What happened? Did you just wake up one day and realize that, or was it actually the cancer that that said, "Hey, stop this now and change your life"? Well, it was the cancer. I mean, I was feeling. Of course, you know, how do you separate it? I think because the thyroid controls everything. And mm -hmm. um, so I, I was suddenly I, I didn't, you know, I couldn't keep up playing hockey. I didn't want to ride my mountain bike. So there was some depression associated. But I think that was just the onset of the cancer. The cancer really focused my mind. Um, I could never conceive. I had friends who left the legislature and went off and did other things. And I thought, how could you leave? This is, this is like, this is so amazing. This is, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> absent the cancer, I never would, never would have left it. I would have stayed there mm -hmm. until, until it killed me. So, um, you know, Mark Twain said, nothing focuses the mind like a hanging. And so it's, you know, <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the contemplation of your own uh, mortality. Right. And so, um, yeah, that the cancer was what woke me up. My marriage didn't survive the cancer. My, my ex-wife didn't handle the whole thing very well. Um, and so, um, so yeah, it was the cancer that, that was, and so I wanted to call my book, the unwrapped gift. And oddly enough, it was what I, uh, what I consider to be my second unwrapped gift. Uh, you know, my brother's death in 1988. Um, I, I had a little bit of guilt associated with this, but I, I turned my life around, you know, he was pre-med and he really had to try and struggle in school. I never had to try anything. I, I was, I was blessed and cursed with being very intelligent, but the curse is that I could wing it at a high level. So <laughs> I never put much mm -hmm. effort in, I never put much effort into things, right. Cause I could just show up and wing it. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, um, so I was very grateful to my brother who, for waking me up and then they, I'm grateful to the cancer but my publisher said Norm cancer probably was a gift to you but uh, how long did it take you to figure that out I'm like yeah it was a few years she said you got to meet people where they are and when they're in the middle of their cancer they're not thinking that it's a gift I'm like yeah you're right so yeah. so it became take charge of your cancer the seven proven steps to healing and recovery but you know I I'm certified in um hypnotherapy for cancer clients and I I have cancer clients and um you know, using hypnotherapy is super powerful. You've, you visualizations in the control room of your mind and getting your body to cooperate with your doctors and the, and the processes and the, and the drugs and everything. And, um, it's, it's really, it's really a powerful influence. I've done, you know, hypnobirthing. I've done pre-surgery, post-surgery. Um, I've helped people with fibromyalgia who, you know, years and years of just taking pills and now it's gone. And um, I'm working with clients with MS, with irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and there's a lot of people right now triggered. Old traumas are coming up. There's a lot of fear. Yes. There's a lot of fear in the world right now. And so let's go, um, let's speak a bit about that because that's what this whole podcast is really about. Um, and I want to go back a bit to the cancer because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are suffering. I mean, cancer is such a big thing, especially here in the States. Suddenly, everyone you speak to has, some, has it in some form or another. Um, how did you feel about that? And how much? How did it trigger? I mean, it must have triggered huge fear 
um, within you when you realize that you, I mean, cancer is a terminal illness, right? Well, it was. Um, you've proved otherwise on many levels. Yeah. Uh, but how did you feel about that when you when you had the realization um, that, oops, you know, this, this is this is real. So um, one of the reasons why my ex-wife didn't handle it very well was her brother, her her dad, her father had died when she was seven, and then she was raised, you know, by her mom and her. She had an older brother and older sisters who were married and their husbands. So. Um, uh, a couple of years before my cancer diagnosis, her, bro her brother died of a heart attack. And then um, just months before my diagnosis, her brother-in-law had pancreatic cancer, uh, you know, within three months from diagnosis to, to death. And it was very difficult. It was very emotional and heart-wrenching. And then I was diagnosed. And so, you know, the doctors say, well, you have papillary carcinoma. It's, you know, it's well differentiated. It's well understood. It responds well to treatment. It's, if you got to have cancer, this is a good one to have. I'm like, if you got to have cancer, is there any good one to have? You know, but that's what my ex-wife heard was this was, oh, you, you got the you got the one that's good to get. I'm like, so so I went in with much bravado. We're gonna meet this. We're gonna okay. I got a plan. I got a good surgeon. I got I got a good endocrinologist. My endocrinologist ended up being diagnosed with leukemia, and I lost the continuity of care right away yeah and that was like whoa dr eisenbud <laughs> wow okay and then um so you know went in with much bravado and uh bolstered by the uh prognosis that it was you know well understood and my my chances are great and it's just no big deal you got this and so i'm like woohoo all right and mm -hmm. so i had the surgery and um i recovered from the surgery and then and they they didn't give me the replacement hormones right away so i was severely hypothyroid <laughs> and and then and then they scanned me and they and well they gave me um they gave me a dose of iodine i131 which is uh radioactive iodine and so you they the doctor they put you in a little room the doctor comes in with a like a lead pipe with a lid on it and sets it down and says, don't take the lid off until I leave. Wow. Then they go out of the door <laughs> and they leave you to, you know, your radioactive <laughs> pill. Right. So, um, then I had to be sequestered for three days. Uh, I got a hotel room. Can't have the maids come in. Can't do, you know, got no one around me for three days. And so, um, so I did that. And I went back to lobbying. We had a big floor, big floor fight. I just went, you know, it was like uh, on a bill that was, you know, very important. And, you know, started drinking again. Did, I didn't change it. I didn't make any changes. And uh, my next scan was in Jan January. It came back. Mm -hmm. That's, that's when I felt fear for the first time in my life. I grew up on a ranch. I rode bulls and rodeos. I, I was a Marine. I, you know what I mean? I, fearless. I, I had no fear. Mm. I felt fear for the first in my time in my life because what, now what? They've already cut the organ out. They've already radiated me and it's back. What now? So I had a second round of radiation, but that was like, 
you know, that, that fear was, I knew fear for the first time in my life and it was mm. palpable. It was, you know, you could cut it with a knife. So um, I had, I was very fearful mm-hmm. and that's, that's when, that's when things began to change. Um, I, that's when I, that's when I did the yoga and learned about Ayurveda and alternative methods and, and got a hold of my, you know, the same, the same, uh, mind that made me a good, great analyst and consultant and, and lobbyist will keep you nuts at night. You know, that monkey brain was just, um, you know, and that's, you, you can't call your doctor at 11 PM when you have a scary thought. You know, it's so, <laughs> yeah. so I learned to meditate and get control of my mind. I got in the gym, started working out and built, regained my strength. And I began to read masters of life and, um, and so, so yeah, I mean, that was, that was really the, the first time I experienced fear was when the cancer came back. And so, um, so original Surgery was July 11, and uh, two months later, the radiation, and then I was radiated on my, uh, let's see, it was 2012, so I would have been 48, on my 48th birthday. Wow. I was radiated. What a gift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> so I just I just remember talking to my my childhood friend who I, you know, we every year we get together and ski and fish and uh, we, uh, you know, he's all over. I'm all up. We, you know, we don't live in the same area, but every year we, we get together. And I, I just, I remember talking to him and saying, you know, I've always, I always could find the trail, the path I, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see, I don't see a path. I don't see. And, um, and, you know, he, you know, he gave me some encouraging words, but, um, but that was, that was when I understood fear and, because of that experience, what I today, you know, another another um, resource is the, the Course in Miracles, and uh, yeah. it's um, you know some psychologists who dared to be spiritual, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, I give all of my you know whether they work with me or not, and if they come for a consultation, I give everyone this little bit and it's the reader's digest version of course in miracles love is your birthright its opposite is fear love resides in your heart space and in any moment you can either be in love or fear you can't be in both and you're in either or and so i tell everyone to come up with an image an icon or a picture that immediately brings to mind love a red rose a red heart a peace sign jesus whatever you know whatever it means to you that seeing this picture, a puppy dog or your baby or your significant other, whatever you, there's a picture that you see this picture and it brings to mind the notion of love. Just have that in your hip pocket and bring it into your heart space 40 times a day. And pretty soon do it 30 times and then 20. 20. Oh because you, it becomes a practice it becomes you having love in your heart space loving everyone doesn't mean to be you're going to be a pushover or a doormat you can stand up for yourself 
just have love in your heart space, right? That person who cut you off on the freeway. Oh, I love you, man. <laughs> because when you're fearful and angry and mad, that person doesn't even know you exist. And you're carrying around that anger for the rest of the day. Because some careless person, and so it doesn't hurt them. They don't even know you exist. It hurts you. That's that fear energy. Mm -hmm. oh, I love that. That's such a, it's such a beautiful metaphor. Um, so that is something that we should be doing every day and all the time. Because people talk about love all the time, you know, love, because love is all there is, right? Um, but it's always, it's walking that talk. That's always the important thing. And you need to remind yourself and remember that that's how it should be. Walk your talk and love is all there is. So you managed to, so it's interesting as well how when you decided that you were so afraid and you decided enough is enough that all your teachers came out and the books started falling into place. And it's just so beautiful the way the universe, when you're in the right space, just brings on all these things and just shows you the way. So eventually you found the way. So would you say that you found freedom, Norman? Absolutely. And, um, uh, but I was divinely guided. I didn't just pluck this out of the air. Um, all, you know, deepen your spirituality. One of the chapters in the book, there, there, there's only one path and it's through the divine, no matter what you call God. Um, you know, so I have found freedom and I, you know, it wasn't, it's not easy to build a hypnotherapy practice. I've had, friends and family and significant others, like get a job. Like, no, you understand, you understand. And I did for a while, I took a, I, I took a contract with the former client covering 16, 16 Western states. Uh, so I was traveling around in state legislatures uh, representing this company. And, and, you know, when I wasn't traveling or you know, doing stuff for them, I was doing hypnotherapy on nights, weekends, you know, squirreling away, you know, hours here and there during the day. And, um, and I just was undeterred that this, you know, and I've had just people say, well, you know, hypnotherapy, really? And I, you know, and I, I had this psychic friend who she's like, I, I see, you know, it's been good for you, but I see you somewhere else doing something else. I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe, but right now, I see only hypnotherapy and I, and I've just stuck to it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, re it required me to, you know, let's go back to fear for a second. When the cancer diagnosis and my marriage was falling apart, I had my 4,000 square foot house and the Porsches and the Italian suits and the, you know, the identity is this, the, you know, highfalutin lobbyist that walk in the halls of the Capitol and, it was like I was I was afraid that I was going to lose everything that I thought was so important. Mm -hmm. And in the end, none of that was important. And I made myself really small. Mm -hmm. And it feels really good that I have everything I need. I ride a motorcycle. I've got, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, my kids. I'm close, super close to my kids. And um uh, you know, I've, and I have the opportunity to, I'm seeing about 20, 25 people a week now 
who leave my office better than they came. So what, what better, you know what I mean? And so well, I was once so fearful of losing all those things that I thought were important and they, and they really weren't. And that was the part of the lesson. That was part of the freedom. That was part of the divine guidance that riches take different forms. Yes. Um, the, the book by Pablo Coelho, the alchemist, in the end, he was, he was seeking his personal treasure. And what, what exactly is your personal treasure? That's kind of the question you have to ask yourself. These, these materialistic things, you know, and so my journey has taken me into uh, total expansion. And so, you know, I study Buddhism and Taoism, the Tao that can be known is not the true Tao. I am full in my emptiness. Mm. And you see, it's difficult for many people to hold paradox. It's an Eastern kind of approach, but, um, but, you know, I've learned about the universe um, I studied tarot under a psychologist who's written five books on tarot and psychology. He's a Jungian analyst <clears throat> who uh, studies archetypes, and um, and the archetypes are right there in the cards. He's created his own deck called Tarot of the Nine Paths, and so I oftentimes use tarot in my hypnotherapy <clears throat> because you know people. When I say we all have our own answers. We really do. We, we know ourselves better than, you know, the subconscious mind keeps record of everything. Now, the, the conscious mind can't possibly sort it all out. It's just too much information. And so during the dream state, we vent a lot of this stuff. We just let it go. But we can access the subconscious mind, and it's through archetypes, right? Everyone knows the teacher or the hero or the, 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 um, the magician, the the, the priestess, the high priestess. I mean, these are all um, these are all archetypes that we know through our connection to the collective consciousness. So um, I'd like to ask you also, hi, how did you know that you were guided? Like a lot of you, this is, we do know when we're guided, right? But how do you know? How do you know it's true guidance or how do you know it's just... Um, your ego pushing you around? Well, the ego pushed me around for 25 years. <laughs> it was letting go of the ego that allowed me to accept the divine guidance. But I'll tell you, I'll, I'll share with you, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll share with you uh, a story. So I had uh, when I had moved to Los Angeles, I had taken a job as the executive director of a trade association, very similar to what I had been doing before, you know, and I did that for a year. <clears throat> and then they didn't renew my contract because I began to work on their ethics. <laughs> like, oh, and, um, and so I, 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 I had this experience on the, on the day that I was going to the office where they met with me to tell me they weren't renewing my contract. Basically, I was being you know, let go of, yeah. um, I was walking out, I had a Jeep, I, I had built a big Jeep and I had a winch on the front and <clears throat> I was walking out to the Jeep to get in to go to the office. And the, 
winch activated. Wow. I had I had installed it myself. It's on it's on the accessory. So it's goes, you know, the power to the winch goes to the battery, but it's you have to have the key in and turned on. So I'm not even close to the Jeep. And it operated without the key. <clears throat> so I'm like, what was that? So I went. And then I got there and I'm like, wow, okay, that's a surprise. I had an hour to clean out my desk. And um, and so I was reflecting on that. And so I went and I saw a psychic. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, you know, and I've been sensitive all my life. I, I've had experiences that were difficult to understand uh, for a kid on the ranch, <laughs> riding rodeo and stuff. Um, <laughs> but there was a place on the creek where there was a Native American grinding holes, you know, and I felt the energy move quickly through. Don't stay, don't stay in this place, right? So, anyway, she says, "Oh, you're so psychic, and you, you know, <clears throat> um, you really need to learn about the archangels." So she t- she taught me about the archangels, and I wrote them down on flashcards, and I was, you know, learning about the archangels and, and what they represent, and. Mm-hmm. And so here I am, I wanted to put myself into the service of others uh, after reading Wayne Dyer's The Power of Intention. And so I wrote a letter to Archangel Michael. <clears throat> Dear Archangel Michael, <laughs> <laughs> it's Norman Plotkin here. And uh, you know, I have mad skills. People have paid me millions of dollars. But I don't want to work for those people anymore. I want to put myself into the service of others, regular people. And I don't know how. So please, please guide me. Please help me understand a path to serving others. Mm-hmm. Very truly yours, Norman Plotkin. I took it in the backyard and lit it on fire and burned it. Mm-hmm. Then I came back in the house and I walked into my darkened bedroom, closed the door, sat in the middle of the bed and did Japa meditation for, uh, for 20 minutes. My chest was just resonating, right? And then you stop and there's a five minute cool down, you know, so just sit and be quiet without the mantra. And as I sat there quiet and still, the most amazing, powerful, energetic presence I've ever experienced came down the hall through the closed door and stood right next to me. And I'm like, wow. I, at first I'm like, I was afraid. And then, then I was... I was made to know that there was no reason to be afraid. Hmm. And then just as quickly as it had come, it was gone. And I op- I'm like, open my eye. <laughs> <laughs> and there was nothing, there was nothing there. And then, so I'm like, ah, I called, I called my psychic friend, Laura. What, what was it? She goes, wait, you wrote a letter to Archangel Michael. You did Japa meditation and the strongest energetic presence you ever experienced in your life showed up and you don't know who it is. Wow. <laughs> and so within a week, I was shown to go to this hypnotherapy college. I, it just came up on my radar screen. And it happens, you know, it's, it's like breadcrumbs, right? So I was going to go, I was going to be a coach. I was going to be a life coach. And I was mm-hmm. looking at these different programs to learn to be a life coach. And there was this husband and wife psychologist team in New Hampshire. And they said, Here's, you know, we got this, you know, here's our story. I mean, and hypnosis is so powerful and, and, uh, and it's a really good adjunct to your coaching. It's like, and they told the story of this marketing campaign where, um, where 
because of a typo, there was this unexpected outcome. And so it was a music company and they, 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 the campaign was called put music back in your life, but they inadvertently put an S at the end and, and puts music back in your life as if it was being done for you. And it was wildly successful. And so this is the illustration that they use to show that if people people think that it's being done for them, somehow you're magically using hypnosis to help them achieve their goals, then it's easier and they're more likely to do it. And I'm like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Now, I didn't go to their school. There was a week-long deal in New Hampshire, and and then I but I started researching hypnosis and hypnotherapy, and it turns out the there's a only nationally accredited school of hypnotherapy is right in the valley in LA where I was living. And so I was, I was guided and just turned out I knew someone through a second hand, knew someone who knew someone and I spoke to them. And, um, and so, so, I mean, those, those are the signs that, you know, for me, I know it. it's a knowing it's a, it's a, you know, just it's a Claire Augustus, uh, you know, um, clairsentience. I mean, clairsentience. I just it's, I have a knowing, but intellectually and logically, I can point to the, that series of events that made me feel like I was divinely guided. That hmm. um, that somehow this is going to work, and that I should not abandon it, no matter how slow, how difficult. You know, and it, and you know, after I after I uh, did the the lobbying for that client, then then I went to work for my publisher for two years, and I was a, I was an acquisition editor at the Author Incubator, and I did hypnotherapy around the edges again, right? <laughs> and uh, so um, I just I gained my mastery while I was you know I paid the bills, and um, and I gained mastery and. Gladwell says 10,000 hours of, of anything will make you a master. And, and I'm, I've far exceeded that now, 10,000 hours of, of doing hypnotherapy. And, um, and as a result, like I said, you know, my practice is, is fairly full now. Mm, that's, that's such a beautiful story. But again, it, it, it boils down to how do you trust yourself enough to trust the synchronicity? There is magic in surrender. <laughs> yes, but how and do you do that? You you have to, you have to you have to accept that there's magic in surrender. You, I, I reached a point like I was just want to steer and you know white knuckle my way, and that doesn't work. That that works in the material world, and you may or may not achieve some success. I did twenty five years. I you know I systematically got a government degree. And got an internship that led to successively more uh, responsible positions until I worked my way to then I took my body of knowledge and created a business. Yes. And, and, you, so, and you created your cancer as well while you were doing all that, which is quite interesting. Exactly. But, in, but unless and until you know that, you'll you'll kill yourself. You'll drive yourself into the ground. Yes. And it was coming to that realization that I created my cancers. We all create our cancers. It's unresolved yes. stuff. And it's, it's, it's hard for people to hear. 
um, you know, not everybody, I have to be very careful about saying that when I work with cancer clients. Um, so, you know, I help them arrive at it. But so what I did was I, I attended a Hay House conference in Pasadena in 2015. Um, I saw, I saw Wayne Dyer speak. I saw Carolyn Meese, Joe Dispenza, Greg Braden, uh, Dr. Brian Weiss, um, uh, and a whole host of others. And so, um, and you know, their, their messages, Sonia Chiquette, I think was another one, sacred signs. Um, and you just have to believe, you see, you see, look, we're, we're coming out of the Pisces era that's been, you know, characterized by control and, you know, um, uh, duality and conflict and paternalism and, uh, you know, Newtonian mechanics and that materialism that it's, you know, uh, cell, tissue, organ, system, you know, and we're moving out of that. That was a very male conflict, you know, and into Aquarius, which is uh, very feminine and energy, and from Newtonian mechanics to the qu quantum field. In the quantum field, you see, you see, science came along and said, "Boo!" to superstition and magic, and then the quantum field reminded us that there really is magic because now we're able to observe subatomic particles like quirks and neutrinos. And when we, when we do things like experiments uh, to see if matter, like light, has a dual nature, of both particle and wave, when we, see if, when we ask the experiment if it's a wave, it acts like a wave. And when we ask the experiment if it's a particle, it acts yeah. like a particle, <laughs> giving rise to the observer effect, meaning we can influence matter. And we've also observed you know, nonlinear, non-local, two Two molecules experiencing the same thing, not in the same place. So, so there is magic. And there are unseen forces. And we are electricity and water mostly. Mm -hmm. And we feel each other. This whole six-foot social distancing thing is blah. Uh, because that's where my heart energy picks up your heart energy. That's where I begin to feel you as another human being. We are all connected. When, you, when you're walking down the street and you look at somebody, it's like, get a haircut. Like, boom, you might as well just smack yourself because you are them <laughs> and they are you. You see, you have, to, you have to understand that there is magic, that science, and science is falling apart right now. It's like science and medicine will never be the same as a result of what they we're experiencing right now. And so without going too far into all of that, but, um, but so how do you know, how do you, you have to believe you have to surrender. You have to. So that was one of the things since in childhood, early childhood, I noticed everything. Hmm. I, I know I connect dots in first grade. My, the teacher, uh, if she said something that rhymed, she said, call it out. And uh, she showed me the grade book. I, I had 
uh, it was all the way across and wrapped around and you know just because i noticed every time she rhymed something and so then growing up on the ranch when you're off riding a horse you have to pay attention a, a, an animal could come out of the brush and spook the horse and you end up bucked off and the horse so you have to pay very close attention and so um so i'm always connecting dots mm -hmm. observe the world around you you see we're so somewhere else wouldn't it wouldn't that was another great thing about meditation. I've always been very kind of observant, but the meditation has helped me just kind of sit with it and clear my mind and be present, be, be present right here, right now. The electronics have people, you know, they're driving the car, smoking pot and doing their phone all at the same time. You know, it's like, <laughs> so that's why, you know, on the motorcycle, there's no time for any of that. I'm completely, I am completely present when I ride the motorcycle. So being present, uh, seeing the signs around you, the, the universe is giving us answers all the time, all the time. We, near, we must merely have eyes to see and ears to hear. Mm. And, and gratitude and love in our heart. Yes. So I, I know this is a contentious issue, so I'm just going to... It's going to be a broad question about what's happening right now with all the fear. And I mean, that's huge. Everyone's so afraid they don't even know what to do about it, about themselves. Um, do you, it, for me, it feels like the universe is pushing people into looking at themselves and realizing that there's more to life than the money, the cars, uh, and whatever it is. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's, you know, I thought that the transition from Pisces to Aquarius would be unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> but but any transition is more like plate tectonics. And so mm. um, people are being asked. And they're the control mechanisms of the Pisces age, the patriarchy and the, the institutions, they are crumbling. And they're spreading fear because in fear you can control. Fear makes you suggestible. It puts you in fight, flight, or freeze, makes you suggestible. We have been, um, you know, humans are born with a disproportionately large head uh, compared to other animals who are up and walking within a day of, of their birth. Humans don't walk for a year or so, and they rely uh, exclusively on the care of their caregivers. And they very soon uh, realize that their survival depends on uh, identifying with, and um, not all are love, loving and nurturing. And there are traumas. There are traumas we experience in childhood and our survival depends on us identifying with our traumatizers. And so um, there's a lot of herd mentality and they're going along with the herd and they, they don't ask questions. They don't think like, you know, if there's a 0.0004% chance that, that you're gonna die, I mean, you're more likely to be struck by lightning. Yeah. You're, and you're a hundred times more likely to be killed in a car accident. Do we not get in the car? But fear creates control um and so 
there is mass hypnosis going on. So you need three things for a hypnotic modality. Authority, mm -hmm. a doctrine or a paradigm, and you have to feel something. So you see, there's my authority. The doctrine or paradigm is the hypnotic trance. And people feel when they, when they uh, are in my office, they feel relaxed. Mm. So let's, let's look at a couple of other scenarios. Lab coat and stethoscope. Mm -hmm. Medical books and medical school. Do you feel something when you go to the doctor? Not a good place to have your blood pressure taken. Yeah, you could, you, not at all. Yeah, see, you could be happy that you get good results. You could be sad that you got bad. You could be afraid. The doc, that medicine is a hypnosis. Um, how about this, the, the white collar? The good book, whether it's the, the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, the, yeah. the Bhagavad Gita. And you feel something in church. Many people sing and feel spiritual, right? That's, that's hypnosis. How about this? Doctors Fauci and Burks. Mm. <laughs> Neurology and epidemiology. Do you feel something? Most people are scared right now. Mm. This, this is hypnosis. And what's worse is now you have virtue signal. You got these people who are deeply hypnotized, who are criticizing others who aren't in the hypnosis and don't, you know, that whole yeah. thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right? And so yeah. they're not following that. So now they're all like, oh, you're going to kill people. You're going to kill my grandma. And that's, that's just part of the, the hypnosis. And so, so what I tell everybody, bring love in your heart. <laughs> you see, as Pisces to Aquarius, three dimension to the fifth dimension. Mm. The third dimension is height with depth. Fourth dimension adds time and the fifth dimension adds energy. And the key to ascending from the third dimension to the fifth dimension is love and compassion. Mm. We've been ruled by fear. Yes. It's everywhere. The f we're in a militarized state, terror, terrorism, fearful cops on the street, military, fear, control, love and compassion. We transcend all of that. And so there are some who will not make the transition from 3D to 5D. There, there are some who won't make the transition from Pisces to, to Aquarius. And we're seeing that. These are folks that's just, it's just too much for them. They don't understand it. They don't accept it. They don't grasp it. I'll tell you, it's not easy. I mean, I, I was born in 1964. It was a very different world. It was just 20 years after World War II. And, and from 64, actually from 45 to 95, the world was pretty, pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah. And then the internet came yeah. and began to change things. And in the, in the, you know, 26 years since the internet, it's really, really weird mm. <laughs> and different. Wonderful, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are some, there are some wonderful aspects of it, but there are some also some freaky and and dangerous aspects as well. So, so the key to ascension is love and compassion.
I love that. So that's your advice. People just love and compassion. Love and compassion. That's right. And you know, I listen. So, so you said an important thing, and that is that it, we're being asked to look at ourselves. I've been criticized by cynic, cynical psychologists for uh, uh, engaging what they call spiritual bypass, meaning, oh, if we just have love, it'll all be right. And so the, there is some responsibility on our parts, and that is to look at ourselves, to examine ourselves. It's not enough just, you know, it's, it's like the Christian who does terrible things that says, but I'm forgiven. Um, the person who has love in their heart, but, but doesn't examine their own shadow, um, you know, it doesn't work that way. You have to do the work. You have to do the examination. You have to live a life of love and compassion. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have to. I had to just. Um, it, it always was very interesting to me as well. Especially, you know, you, you the people. You go back if you look at the Sopranos, for example. Just like a, um, we'll use instead of we'll use that example, the the series, where the the um, the Don he kills people during the week and then on Sunday he goes to to mass and then all is forgiven. It's such an interesting uh, metaphor as well. Um, so, yes, yes. I think also um, this whole fear thing has got a lot to do with responsibility. Uh, it's so difficult for some people to take that responsibility. It's so it's easier to just point fingers and say, hey, it's your fault because you're not wearing a mask and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's never my fault. So I think this kind of energy hopefully can shift all that too. And you know, I just realize, wow, if we all take responsibility and we all look at ourselves and we all you know live with love rather than fear huge difference only to ourselves and others right um norman this has been awesome where can people find you before i ask you where can people find you yeah uh my website is my name www.normanplotkin.com on facebook it's norman plotkin inc I'm on uh, Instagram as well, Norman Plotkin, CHT. I love that. Thank you. Um, one more thing, um, Norman. You've you've lived like a huge life, and you've and you've done so many things, and you've experienced the wealth. And what difference do you want to make in the world? Um, I, I'm making it. If one person breathes easier, if you know. Uh, a happy child, a a redeemed social quality, a, a garden patch. Uh, there, there's a wonderful quote by um, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and I'm I'm torturing it right now. But um, it's it's called uh, uh, to, uh, this is this has been to be a success. I, I think is what it's called. But um, to to endure false critics and win uh, win good friends. You know these these are the kind of things. The difference I'm the difference I'm striving to make right now is to bring the power of hypnotherapy to mind. You know, back to your point just a moment ago. People externalize things. He did. She said. The government. The Rona. It's it's not outside of you. All we can control is our inner world. 
And I'm helping people get a handle on their inner world one person at a time. And I just, I want, I'm, I'm soon I'll be speaking from the stage and I want to really um, uh, share the, the, the message of how powerful hypnotherapy is and how it can help people without drugs uh, in an organic, non-invasive way and to really help empower them to be in control of their inner world. Mm, I love it. Oh, thank you, Norman. This has been awesome. I could probably speak to you for another hour. Um, so we'll have to have a follow-up on this one. Um, thank you so much. Are there any thoughts um, out there before we wrap up? For just the audience? Yeah, you know, take to heart. We all have our own answers. Be quiet and still for the first 10 minutes of every day. We have 60 to 70,000 thoughts every day, and 90% of them are the same as yesterday. And if you take 10 minutes at the beginning of your day before that onslaught of repetitive thoughts and just be quiet and still, you know, prayer is when we talk to the divine meditation is when we receive answers. Take that 10 minutes for yourself, take responsibility for yourself, go inward, get to know who you are and, um, and you will reflect better on the outer world and you'll be more of an influence on the outer world when you are in full possession of your inner world and love and compassion is the key love in your heart space drives out fear thank you on that note that is pretty awesome thank you norman and i think everyone needs to go and find norman plockton and go and see this is beautiful this is the real real stuff go and check him out read his books and go and Check him out on social media. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, Norman. This was really, really awesome. And we'll see you soon, I am sure. Thank you. Bye, thank everybody. You. Thank you, Thanks. Karina. Thank you. Thank Bye. you for listening. And thank you for listening right to the end. Now, if you want to know more about breaking fear and if it's keeping you stuck, check out the quiz. The details are below subscribe so you can hear some more of this delicious um, conversations and then watch out for my book the clank of chains which is coming out very soon thank you again for being here and we will see you next time bye Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 